Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 17. If you want to open there with me. John chapter 17, starting in verse 24 and going until verse 26. Let me read it for us. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. You may be seated. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Father God, as we come to your word, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would give us insight. I pray that you would fill our hearts with an understanding of your love, of who you are and what you have accomplished in our place. Father, as we read your word today, give us clarity Open up our hearts to love you, to respond to your word with faith. Help us to be fully convinced, Lord, that you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to start out this morning, I want to ask a simple question. I want to start by asking you, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Take a second and think about it. Imagine maybe a stranger comes up to you and says, hey, what do you think about when you think about God? Do you see him as a close God, a personal God, a God that is near to you, who even as we are worshiping and praising him, he is smiling down on you? Or do you see him as a distant God, a God that is far away, God, that as you are worshiping him, is frustrated at you. He's angry at all the ways that you messed up this week, maybe even this morning. How do you view God? Who is God to you? A famous pastor named A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If that is true, then what we think about God is really important. It's something that we should not put off until later. It's not something that we should be careless about, but we should put our effort into. You see, in our culture, and even in our church context, we can throw out the word God and assume that all of us know what we're talking about. We have debates back and forth. Should we believe in God? Oh, I don't believe in God, and this is why. But the question that we ask far less is, Who is this God, and what is he like? I think it's easy for us to throw out terms and to assume that we're all talking about the same God. Maybe we've heard all the same stories. We've heard some stories from Sunday school about who this God is like. 
And far too easily, we take those stories and start piecing together the rest of who God is. And then we make our decision. Well, I like those stories, so I'm going to believe in this God. Or, uh, I, I didn't like those stories, I didn't, hear what, didn't like what this person said about God, so I'm going to reject God. But have we done the hard work to really get to know God? All of us are in danger of taking what we know and filling in the gaps rather than truly getting to know God. Although we were created in God's image, it is easy for us to return the favor and create God in in our image. Do we really know God for how he's revealed himself to be? I've heard it said before that all humans are theologians. Some are just better than others. I think that's true. We all think about God. We all have our ideas about God, but the question is, what are, these, what are these things founded on? And this is incredibly important because what we believe about God ultimately changes how we experience life. It shapes how we love him. It shapes how we live, the choices that we make. Every aspect of our lives is affected by what we think about God, what we know about God to be true. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What we believe about God is absolutely foundational. So much of our lives, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is affected by what we think. And so spending time getting to know God is important. It's worthy of our time. That's why at Del Cerro we come together to gather to not listen to our own ideas, but to, to hear God's word preached. We want God to show us who he is, to reveal himself to us. And so we plan on doing that, continuing to do that this summer. As Dustin said, we're going to be taking a short break from Matthew to begin studying through the Apostles' Creed. As you know, for the last few months, we have been reciting the Creed together and this is a tradition that our church has recently adopted, but it is a tradition that the church at large has been doing for hundreds of years. All around the world, as churches gather, they recite this creed. And actually, the first time I heard this creed was when I was on a short mission trip, and I was worshiping in East Asia, and I heard, in another language, them stand before worship and recite this creed together. It was encouraging to know that around the world we can recite the same creed knowing that we hold to the same faith. And our hope is that as we walk through this creed together, we will get a deeper understanding of why we can confess it as a church, but then also why as an individual can we confess this. If, if what we think about God is really so foundational then walking through this creed will, will help us grow in confidence. While this creed does not provide us with everything that we need to know about God, it helps provide a structure for us to see and learn about who God is. I know that personally, over the last few week, weeks, just as I have been preparing for this, um, I've been reading books and listening to sermons. It has been so encouraging to study God in depth, to find out, more about the deep things about God. I have deepened my understanding of God as he has revealed himself, 
And I'm looking forward to this series and praying that God would do the same for us. And as we start this morning on God the Father, it's, it, it is fitting because this is Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of you out there. Dustin's gift is, to you is letting me preach, and my gift to you is that I will not be um, teaching my five awesome tips for how to be a good dad. Um, I will refrain, although as a youth pastor, I could come up with some good ones, um, but that is not what we need, is it? What we need is to look to our perfect Heavenly Father, and we need to see Him. We need to see Him for who He has revealed Himself to be. And so with that, we want to start our study with just the first line of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father. While we could go a little bit further, we decided to stop here because God is Father and God as Almighty Creator while they're both true about God, they are distinct. And we want to highlight both of those truths. So to begin, we will be looking to our passage in John 17, and this will be our jumping on off point. And we will look to this passage as well as the passage in Galatians to see who God the Father is, how he's revealed himself. And as we do this, for our structure, I want to ask one question of our text today. One question that as we answer it, will have three parts to it. One question, three parts. It's fitting as we study about a God who has revealed himself as one God in three, part, in three persons. Amen. So while we will have three parts, God does not have three parts. Amen. So our question, why... Here's our question that we will be looking at. Why do we confess God as Father? Why do we confess God the Father? And, and how can we confess that God is the Father? And so as we, as we read our passage again, I want to provide a little bit of context. Our passage today comes from John 17, which is towards the end of Jesus' life. He's been with his disciples for three years. He has loved them, and now he is going to return to the Father. And on the night before he will be led to the cross, instead of running from it, he intentionally spends time with his disciples. He washes their feet in an act of service. He teaches them about the Spirit that will be poured out, and then he instructs them all that they need to know before he will leave. And at the end of this discourse, we see that Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for his disciples and all those who would believe in him through them. And so we pick up our passage in the end of Jesus' prayer in verse 24. And let me read it for us again. It says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So in this very first part of our passage, we see the answer to our question. 
Our question is, why do we confess God as Father? And the answer is simple. We confess God as Father because God has revealed himself as Father. And how did he do this? Through the sending of his Son. In verse 26, Jesus says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. Jesus shows that the Father's plan for revealing who he was is through sending his Son. The NIV translation of this verse says, I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known. Jesus is the one that reveals the Father to us. And God didn't have to do it this way. He could have chosen another way. He could have sent down a really thick uh, systematic theology book explaining who he was as God the Father. And some of you would have really enjoyed that. But instead, what he chooses to do is send his son. He chooses to reveal himself through the sending of his son. And in this passage, we see that God was the one who sent the son so that the Son might be revealed. And I think sometimes we can miss that. We can miss that aspect of why Jesus was sent. All of us know the answer of why Jesus was sent. He was sent to die for our sins. And yes, that's true. But he also came to reveal God to the Father. You see, our means of salvation, the gospel, is the very thing that God uses to reveal himself. Through the gospel, God is put on display. Through the gospel, we get to see a bigger, fuller, more complete picture of God. So we can know him and we can worship him. God's plan in salvation is perfect. By sending his son, God the Father was revealing himself as father. This was... This is who God is. This is who God has always been, but it was hidden. It was a mystery. While God the Father was hinted at in the Old Testament, it was not fully understood until the New Testament. God displayed who he was in the Old Testament to his people. He revealed himself through the prophets, but it's not until the New Testament that we get a fuller picture of who God is through the gospel God is put on display, and so that is why we confess that we believe in God the Father. This is not something that we've come up with on our own. It's not something that we've placed onto God. It is something that God has revealed to us. Through his perfect plan in history, God revealed himself as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And through getting to know each person of the Godhead, we can come to a fuller picture of God himself. As we continue to study in this passage, we find why Jesus reveals God as Father. We, we see the reason why is because God as Father is who he is. God the Father is his identity. You see, well, while creator is something that is a title placed on him after he creates, God the Father is who he has been forever. He has always been God the Father. And the reason for this is because Jesus, known in John 1 as the Word, has always been God the Son. 
We see this clearly in verse 24 of our passage. As Jesus is praying to God the Father, he says this. You, and he's speaking to the Father, loved me before the foundation of the world. You see it? Through this prayer, Jesus is revealing an important truth. He's revealing that the Son has always been the the Son to the Father. And the Father has always been the Father to the Son. From all eternity past, they have existed as Father and Son with the Holy Spirit. Neither has had a beginning and neither will have an end. That is why we can say we believe in God the Father. Unlike our earthly fathers, who are fathers only after their child is born, there has never been a time when God the Father wasn't a father. He, is a, he eternally exists as the Father to the eternal Son. And what this means is that we worship a father. He doesn't just become a father at certain times, but he is and always will be a loving father. And so as, as we think back to our first question, is that how you see God? When you, when you picture God, you see him as a loving father who has, from all eternity past, loved the Son and the Spirit. Because that is who God has revealed himself to be. And it's important to know God the Father so we can understand the type of love that God has for us. In 1 John 4, 7, John writes, Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, the reason John is able to say and write through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God is love and that love comes from God is because God is eternal Father to the eternal Son. Love comes from God because God the Father has always loved the Son. He has always been the loving Father to the Son with the Spirit. As one God in three persons, God is love. The Father loves the Son, and the the Son and the Spirit love the Father. There is absolute perfect unity and joy in the Godhead. This This is hard to understand. This is hard to wrap our minds around, but it's so foundational. Because when we think of God just as loving us, but not existing from all eternity as Father, Son, and Spirit, we we might get confused that maybe God created us because he was lonely. Maybe God needed someone to love. What was he doing before he created the world? But what we see is that from all eternity past, God is perfectly satisfied. He is perfectly loved. In unity, three in one. That is the God that we worship. Without God the Son and God the Spirit, we cannot say that God is love because before creation, he, would only, he wouldn't have anyone to love. But when we see that God is three and when we see that God has always existed as a loving Father, therefore God's love is perfect. And because he is three in one, what we see is that God's love is not a selfish love. As humans, our love can be 
bent inward on itself, while love flows out onto others and is selfless, our love can be selfish. But what we see is that God's love is a perfect love. God the Father eternally pouring out his love for the Son, and the Son eternally pouring out his love for the Father with the Holy Spirit. Just as the Bible says in 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love because God is three in one. He is eternally father. And this is an important truth for us to meditate on. He is God the father who has eternally existed as father. And that is why we confess that we believe in God the father. So now that we have seen the first part of our answer, we can move on to the second part. While in the first part, we, we can see that we confess God the Father because that's who he's revealed himself to be through the Son. Now we want to understand why can we confess as, with, as God as our Father? Why do we confess that God is our Father? You see, while Jesus revealed God the Father, he also made it clear that we can now call God as Father. As Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, in Matthew chapter 6, he teaches them to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. But this raises a question. Why did Jesus, if he's the eternal Son, say that we now can call God our Father? And the answer to this question comes through understanding why God sent the Son. We find our answer in understanding why a perfect God in perfect unity, three in one, who's loved, with perfect love, the Father loving the Son with the Spirit perfectly from all time, why would he send his Son into the world? And so to, to answer this question, we need to flip over to Galatians chapter 4. This is the passage that John read for us. Flip over to Galatians Chapter 4, starting in verse 4. As I was preparing this message, I was constantly flipping back and forth between these two passages. Because both of these passages reveal a lot to us about God the Father. Let me read it for us. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Do you see it? Do you see the connection? In this short passage, Paul is telling us why God sent the son. For what purpose? So that we might be adopted as sons. God's purpose for sending Jesus was so that we might be adopted into his perfect unity. I think sometimes when we hear the gospel, we can get stuck thinking about the fact that Jesus came and he died for our sins and he rose again, and we can stop there. We focus on that part, but we forget for what purpose what reason did God send the Son to accomplish our salvation, to redeem us? 
And what we find is that he redeemed us from our sins so that we might receive adoption as sons. While before we were enemies of God, Christ has redeemed us. He has brought us into God's presence. Because of Christ and Christ alone, we have been adopted into God's family. We've not earned this. This wasn't because you are a good enough person, because you read your Bible enough. This was because the Father sent the Son to redeem us and adopt us in. Is that what you think of when you think of the gospel? Do you think of being adopted into God's family? Have you allowed that to, to sink in? We've been adopted into God's perfect family, into this love that is perfect love. We've been redeemed from our past and given a new future. God, through sending his son, has adopted us. Because of Christ's work on our behalf, we can now call God Father. Isn't that amazing? We can have the same confidence that Jesus has as he stands before God, knowing it's not based on our merit. It's incredible. God the Father sent his only son to come to earth to turn his enemies into sons and daughters. And while being forgiven would be enough, God goes farther and adopts us into his family. That is what it means for God to be father. It means that his love is overwhelming and willing to adopt even his enemies. God the Father who existed from all eternity in perfect unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now rescues us and brings us into our family. We get experience that love that, that, God, that God has. And my question for you is, this, has this truth changed the way you, you view God? As you view God, you think of him as a loving father because of Christ's work on your behalf. I know that personally, growing up in a Christian home, this was a foreign concept to me. I asked you earlier, if as you're worshiping, do you feel God's frustration at all the ways that you messed up or all the things that you didn't do this week because that's how I felt as I would come to church to worship God I would run through a list of all the things I was going to do next week in order to please God I didn't understand God's grace for us the way I view God affected how I lived I wanted to obey him but it didn't come from a love for God. It came from an obligation. I didn't see God as a loving father who had sent his son to adopt me. I want you to see the love that God has for you. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given, us, given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Praise God. Now that we have seen the first two parts of our question, we can move on to the third. And this is the final section. In the first section, we saw that we confess that God is Father because that's how he has revealed himself through the Son. And in the second section, we see that we can personally confess God as Father 
because of Christ's work on our behalf. And now in this final section, we will look at how God the Father has sent the Spirit to perfectly connect everything together. For this part, we will continue reading in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, in God's great love, God the Father, after accomplishing our salvation and adoption, finishes off his work by sending the Spirit into our hearts. This is the final piece, and it wraps everything together. You see, without the Spirit being poured out into our hearts, nothing would change for us. It wouldn't matter if God had, what God had done for us if our hearts were hardened. If our hearts were in rebellion, a preacher could preach the most convicting, powerful sermon about God's love, and you wouldn't care. The Holy Spirit's work is to awaken our hearts to love God. The Holy Spirit takes our hearts of stone and turns them into hearts of flesh. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that awakens our hearts to cry, Abba, Father, just as Jesus did while he was in the garden. It is the Holy Spirit that awakens us, that shows us that we are now sons and daughters of God. Can you see how perfect God's salvation is? From start to finish, it is his work. You see, without the Holy Spirit, we would be just like the Israelites that God rescued from Egypt. After displaying to them his awesome power through the plagues and through rescuing them through the water, the Israelites grumble and complain and are hard-hearted. They want to go back to Egypt. That's exactly where we would be without God sending his spirit into our hearts. Each one of us is the same. We need God to pour out his spirit so that we can believe in him and trust in him. And on top of all of that, the Holy Spirit is God with us. Through the Holy Spirit, God lives with his people and shows them how to live. The Holy Spirit calls us to live holy lives after our Holy Father. God with us. That's how intimate God wants to be with us. He isn't content to be far away. He wants to be with us. He wants to live in our hearts and to reveal us to him. This is what Jesus meant at the end of his prayer in John 17. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell with us. That means that we have access to God at all time. Through the Holy Spirit, God is always with us. He will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. We can cry out to God in times of need. We've been adopted, and instead of waiting until heaven, God comes to us. What an amazing gift that God has given us in the Holy Spirit. So Mike, I want to ask that question again. Is this how you see God? 
Is this what you think of when you think of God? Do you see him as he's revealed himself, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Our Heavenly Father has loved us. He has provided all that we need through the sending of his Son so that we might be adopted into his family. And through pouring out his Spirit into our hearts so that we can believe. But while God has made a way for us to be adopted, not all of us are adopted. You see, we're not born into this adoption. It is something that we receive through faith. Galatians 4 said that we were once slaves. We were enslaved to our sins, not children of God. By God's grace, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to be controlled by our sins. We can be adopted into God's family. So I want to encourage you, if you've you've never experienced God's love, if you've never trusted in God, and you feel him working on your heart, if you feel the Holy Spirit working on your heart, repent and believe. Know this God that is love. He's a loving father, and he will welcome you. And in closing today, I want to remind us of just our three Hearts of why we confess that God is Father. God has revealed himself as Father because that is who he is. From all eternity past, he is God the Father. He has adopted us through the work of Jesus on our behalf and he has sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts.